Thanks for listening to another episode of Strictly Business, where we talk to some of the brightest minds working in media today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. As longtime listeners know, every now and then this podcast skips over the usual executives to talk about business with performers, as we've done in the past with the likes of Kevin Hart and Tyra Banks. This week, we're checking in with Steve Harvey, who you know from his many TV gigs, from Family Feud to his own daytime talk show. But what you don't know is that there's a lot more to his sprawling business interests. I caught up with him last month in Las Vegas to talk about it all at Variety's annual conference at CES. I just learned from you backstage, this is your first CES. What, what brought you out here? I mean, you know, I, I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> really? I'm 61. I just stopped putting stuff on index cards, so you know, I didn't even know. Um, my sons, I have uh, all of my children are millennials, and uh, my oldest son is 27, and uh, he said, Dad, you gotta go. It's the cutting edge, it's where everything is that's moving forward. You know, I've had to do a lot in terms of technology to, to keep my business in the forefront. You know, I'm not just a television guy, you know, I'm a businessman, so. I've had to do a lot to learn about technology to keep myself in the forefront, you know. I'm not happy with every aspect of uh, technology, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. But the key for me is I've, I surround myself with a lot of young people, you know, who are more used to this, you know. So what, what kind of technology trends or things are catching your eye out here? You know, the apps, the apps are crazy right now, you know. Um, I've got a couple of fintech investments in a couple of apps out there now with finance and things like that. Uh, Harvey's Hundreds is doing good in the app world right now, uh, which is a game that I do on my talk show that I turned into an app that's doing really well. And I just look for, right now, man, I just, I just look for cutting edge opportunities, you know, things that's out there, you know, because as, as a businessman, you know, I've, I've, I've made the majority of my money making appearances. You know, that's a, that's a tough way to make a living, you know, when you always got to be on something. I'm, right. I'm probably on TV more than anybody in the country. I have more television appearances right now than anybody, but that's a tough way to make a living. Why you know? is that, though? Because people would assume, oh, you're the star of the show. You're making millions. I mean, you know, well... <laughs> <laughs> We should ask your accountant, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't know that people understand the grind that that is. You know, it's, it's a difficult job. You know, when I go to work, I don't have the luxury that I can sit back and just chill. I can't put my feet up. I can't get a cup of coffee. I can't lay back on the phone. I can't go, <sighs> No, when I come to work, I'm on. I'm on the radio every single day talking to seven and a half to nine million people a week. Then I turn around and I do my talk show, two to three shows a day. And then on the weekend, I'm doing either Family Feud, Celebrity Family Feud, Little Big Shots, Showtime at the Apollo, uh, Miss Universe, that they didn't think I'd ever be back on that. <laughs> now, whatever do you mean? Uh, a little, little accident. <laughs> Happened one year, you know. Yeah. It wasn't really my fault, but I took the bullet on that one, you know. <laughs> I, 
I read the teleprompter. I read exactly what the teleprompter said. It said, and the new 2015 Miss Universe is. It said it. And the dude in my ear said, read the next name, Miss Columbia. And I said, Miss Columbia, great job, Steve. Go to the back. And I went to the back. Everything was cool. And then some dude came out and said, you said the wrong name. I said, I didn't say wrong. <laughs> OK. I'm not supposed to cuss. So That's sorry. all right. We'll edit that out. And that was, you know, but, you know, I do a lot, man, and so, you know, being on is, is difficult, but um, I, I don't have the luxury, like I was saying, like most people, of being able to just sit around and chill. So when you work like that, man, I've already proven myself to be the hardest working man in show business is now uh, with my global business opportunities and things like that. I'm, I'm trying to work a lot smarter instead of harder so much, you know. I get it, but, you know, because you've got so much going on in daytime in particular, People might be thinking, all right, he'll just do that show for, for years to come. But how do you look at the TV business right now? Do you see the kind of show, for instance, your talk show right now, is that something that could just go on infinitely, or are we, different, are we dealing with a different kind of Hollywood these days? Oh, we're dealing definitely with different. I, television is dying. Daytime television is dying. Yeah. My show, uh, Steve, is the only show over the past seven years that's came into syndication and stuck. Nothing else has stuck. There has been no syndicated TV shows launched in seven years that have stuck. Queen got out, Ricky Lake got out, Meredith Vieira got out, Bethany got out. Everything that launched failed. It's a very tough space right now. Plus, because of technology, people watch TV when they want to now. Yep. Nobody's sitting at the house at 1.30, ooh, Steve coming on. No, y'all tape it, and then I don't get the credit for it. And the Nielsen system has sucked from day one. Yep. I don't know who thought this was a great-ass way of measuring a person's success, but Nielsen is like the most archaic thing ever created. That's why Facebook and YouTube now prove out so much different. You know exactly how many people are watching. It's only 35. Um, thousand Nielsen boxes in the country. It's over 350 million people here. And those 35,000 people determine what show is a hit or not. That's, that's archaic, you know. So what, do you, what, what becomes the next step? Do you look at the Facebooks of the world and say, maybe that's where my show's got to be? OK, you're trying to corner me now, because uh... <laughs> Corner is such a harsh term. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to look at it. I got to look at it. I got to be smart. You know, I got to think about it because that's where it's headed. It's not, it's not in network television anymore. Mm -hmm. Syndication is dead. Right. They didn't, even, they didn't even present a show last year. Right. Nothing was presented. Meaning uh, no new shows came in? Is that what you're saying? Nothing was at NAPTI, where they I launched see. and introduced new shows right. in January in Miami. Nothing was introduced. The first time ever, no syndicated shows were introduced. And that was, that was a clear sign to me. You know, and NBC Universal, who I'm with, you know, is, they're making other decisions, you know, because... Um, well, are you staying with NBC Universal? Is that deal going forward? I thought I was until <laughs> they made an announcement uh, a couple of weeks ago that um, they wanted to uh, give Kelly Clarkson 
the owned and operated NBC networks, and that's my slot. Uh, it didn't, I don't know if it's sold or it's not selling like they thought, but you know, I, th I thought it would have been nice of them to come to me as been the only dude that's survived for them for seven years and say, Steve, we're thinking about doing this, but no, they just made an announcement. So when you do that, I gotta make announcements too. Mm -hmm. You know, I got you got something to say? You want to, <laughs> something, something new to, you know, the public you know, demands it. You know, we can't all just, you can't make announcements that don't expect to have to hear one yourself. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm working. It'll, it'll be something real cute. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, I just, you know, I'm an honorable guy, man. I'm just an old school guy, man. I just thought that you're supposed to talk to people and go, Look, you've been good business for us. This is what we're thinking of doing. Are you okay with that? No, you don't just put something in the paper and say, you know, I'm gonna make this move right here because it's crazy. And you look at the numbers on my show, it's number four in daytime television, it's holding right there. It's, I got a hit, so somebody's gonna recognize that. Yeah. Well, also, you're, you might be in good company. Recently, Ellen DeGeneres even indicated in Man, an interview. Man, you know everything. Who are you? This is my, I'm the, uh, I work at Variety. That's, you know. Yeah, damn. <clears throat> I mean, if Ellen's getting out, potentially, I think everyone's looking at the sidelines. I just did a show two weeks ago, and Ellen and I are friends. As a matter of fact, we do little big shots together. Uh-huh. And um, she is talking about it. Her brother wants her to stay. Her girl says go. I, I don't know what she's going to do. She's like the, Ellen is the most popular person in, in television. No one. I'm second. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take him seriously. Yeah, I hope is. she do leave so I could just, <laughs> so I could just be number one for a chick. I'm so sick of being second. Uh -huh. I mean, congeniality, uh, likability, trustworthy factor. Hey, how the hell did you feel if you was number two all the damn time? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellen's really good, man. She's a super sweet person, man. I love her. I, I want her to do what's best for her health and to do what's best for that. Because sometimes, man, you got to consider your health, even I. I got to look, man. It's stressful. You're doing so many different I'm things. It's extreme. My doctors have told me, hey, man, what, what, how long do you think you're going to do this? And I said, well, you know, hell, I ain't digging ditches. And I worked at Ford Motor Company, man. I used to put eight spark plugs in 1,800 engines a day. That's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Jokes, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it honestly may be in your best interest to not do a talk show anymore. It's not like you don't have plenty of other irons in the fire. You know, um, the, the biggest juggernaut for me is Family Feud. Nothing is bigger than that. It's such a huge, huge, and the, um, the money that's generated off social media from the clips. Really? The clips. I'm in every clip. <laughs> so you would know. <laughs> that alone, I mean, I'm just looking at it right now, man. If you can get, like, for example, uh, the other day I had a dance-off on my show between my warm-up act, who I invited down to dance with this kid that was on the show. 
-hmm. It ended up getting 22 million views in like 10 days. The money that the talk show generates off of that alone, they walking around bragging about this one clip and the hundreds of thousands, a couple hundred thousand they made. And it just starts you to thinking, man, that world over there, that YouTube, that Facebook world is intriguing. I'm, it's money right now. It, there's no delayed gratification out there in this space. That, that money shows up now and goes into your account. Yep. I just got to figure out how to have a damn dance off every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, my guess is when you did the deal for Family Feud, what social clips would be doing, that probably didn't even enter into your mind. Oh, man, I, I missed that. <laughs> you know, my deal is it's nine years now on, uh, on Family Feud. Uh, and when I, you know, Family Feud was already a 20-year-old franchise. Yeah. And it's so tied up in ownership and who created it and everything. I, I never could garner ownership of it. So I just charged as much as I could to be the host of the show. Right. And um, I'm choking them. I'm choking them. <laughs> I got a stranglehold on them. But, and I, you know, the show was a 1 4 when I took over. It's like a 7 2, which is virtually impossible to get in television anymore. So they're very happy with me. I'm really happy with them. Fremantle's been a great partner. So that, that one you could see continuing for a long time. I want to do another game show. I want to do Is that right? One. Yeah. What, what kind of things are you interested in? I'm looking in? at one. Something that's just real simple. People don't like Jeopardy, you know. You do. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell the folks at Jeopardy. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. It's like, who wants to be a millionaire? Who don't? I mean, you know. <laughs> you know, come on. You ever seen them give away the million on that show? That's crazy. You play a game show, who want to be a million? You never give away the million. That's, nobody wants to watch Jeopardy and not know nothing. <laughs> I watched Jeopardy for two weeks one time. I didn't answer a single question. <laughs> you just sit there. So what Family Feud is, is a game that anybody can play. And so I, I, I'm looking at a couple of game show ideas right now that's for people can play along and actually get it, get, know an answer. I don't like watching Jeopardy. I, you see a guy with $168,000 and he didn't answer every single question. You go, did you have a bike? <laughs> you, know, you ever been swimming? You ever? <laughs> You know, do you know how to run? Because you got to be really looking in a book an awful lot of time to know all of that. <laughs> Damn right. Just, I, don't, I don't like really. Now, you're talking this about. room to say that, is it? <laughs> Go ahead. You were talking about doing game shows, but you're also in the gaming business with apps. Like, what is, why does Steve Harvey even decide to be an app, to do getting into the gaming business that way? Well, honestly, as successful and blessed as I've been in the TV business, I can't leave none of that to my kids. I can't leave the kings of comedy to my kids. I can't leave none. I can't leave any of this to my kids. Nothing. Because it's not owned. The, the stuff I own, like Little Big Shots and my talk show and, and, and the other shows that I have ownership in, 
you know, when I leave doing that, that check isn't big enough, you know. That's, I can't leave my career to my kids. I don't have that type of career. I tell jokes, mm -hmm. you know. And so I've got to generate businesses that can secure something for my family. It's very important to me that I leave not only a legacy of being a, 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 a pretty successful entertainer, but I got to leave them something. You can't leave them. So if I don't get into these apps, if I don't take my business, which is Steve Harvey Global, and expand globally, if I don't look at Africa and I don't look at the UAE and the business opportunities that's there, if I don't look in the tech space, I have no way of leaving them hmm. anything. And that's been a hard push for me lately. I'm really, that's a big part of the grind because, you know, I want to leave them something, you know. Uh, that, that's a really the important part of it. Is Steve Harvey a global brand? Absolutely. And I'm not saying that. I look at, there's research that bags it up. I didn't know it. Out in India, I'm the number one celebrity outside of India. Would not have guessed that. No, I didn't know that. In Africa, I'm very, very popular in Africa. Mm -hmm. And in the UAE, I'm extremely popular. And I'm number one in the Philippines. <laughs> because, you know, when I said Miss Columbia, and, <laughs> and turned around and gave it to the Philippines, the next year we did uh, Miss Universe in the Philippines. Seriously, it's the king, it's Miss Philippines, and then it's Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> and Not that's, too shabby. No, that's really good. So, you know, man, I've started uh, taking business meetings and, and looking at all the opportunities out there, and it's been really heartwarming for me. Africa is very important to me because... Uh, when I go to Africa, I don't know if this will mean anything to any of you, but for me, it was like going back home to a place I'd never been. Hmm. And so when you're African-American, I mean, you know, we were taken from a place. But when you go back to the place, when you land on the continent of Africa, you're at, you're at home. It's, it's an amazing feeling. And um, so that's very important for me to, uh, to go there and to help develop without taking. They've been so ravaged and taken. I, I, I do motivational speaking over there now. I'm developing a coding program in Botswana where I'm trying, because Botswana is a country over there. All education is free. They have the most educated people in Botswana. But when they all graduate with these degrees from college and everything, the country is only two million people. Where are they gonna work? So they have all these educated people and just not enough jobs there yet. So I'm introducing them to coding. That's great. And my, my foundation here, the Stephen Marjorie Harvey Foundation, this year for the first time at the Chick-fil-A Ranch, uh, we're introducing a coding program to get young people interested in coding because that's the future. You know, stop telling our young kids to get into heating and air. Nobody give a about you fixing a refrigerator. It, you got to get into coding. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm 
sorry. That's, that's how I talk when I... We get it. I've cussed three times. So. <laughs> I'm so happy my wife ain't here, because she... <laughs> now you're among friends. <laughs> Curse all you'd like. <laughs> yeah, she's streaming me. Yeah. So you're also an investor. What, what kind of businesses, what do you respond to as an investor? Is it a, a dynamics uh, founder, a particular kind of technology? What are the things that attract you? Oh, um, you know, I've invested in quite a few things, man. Uh, more, so the, more so than the idea, I invest in the person. More so than the idea. Mm -hmm. See, this new generation, this tech-savvy group, I look for people who have a bit of old school in them. You know what I mean? No. Because, okay, well, let me tell you. <laughs> Technology, because I have a house full of millennials, my youngest child is 21. Because I have a house full of millennials, tech can make you lazy. Ah, I see. Because they got you thinking if you Google it, you now know it. But I'm sorry. There's two things you can't Google. You can Google anything. You can know anything by Googling it. You can't Google success, and you can't Google exposure. Hmm. And until you meet people who understand what it is to grind and grit to become successful, the hustler. I look for the hustler. I look for the, for the, for the young man or young woman that's got that grit, that's been knocked down a bunch of times and got back up and kept going with their idea. I invest money in that person right there because that's the person that ain't going to give up. That's the person. I don't give a damn what your idea is. If you soft, it ain't going nowhere. Hmm. Well, so you find people who have that old school sense that, you know, they're not sort of spoon fed, but do you feel that the tech world is a place you can invest as well? Yeah, absolutely, because there's a lot of, there's, it's some of the brightest minds in that tech world, man. It mm -hmm. took me a minute to understand that, because you know, I was old school, you know, you don't work to get it, you don't know, but now, man, you can actually think your way into millions of dollars. There's some people that just think and thought they ass into millions and millions of dollars while I'm out here just working my ass off. And I, and I went, wait a minute, I gotta start finding them people that's just thinking the stuff, you know. Like the dude that invented WhatsApp, this his whole story. And, what he, and how he went back to the house to sign the contract on the door that they had put an eviction notice up. This guy just kept hustling and hustling and hustling. But see, he come from an impoverished background. See, I would have invested in him because of his background. The WhatsApp was outstanding, but you know what really got him to the top? That grit, that grind, that hustle, that I've been poor, I've been knocked out. They evicted me and my mama. And that dude just grinded it out, and he signed that contract and worked for how many billions? Oh, it was definitely a B. Yeah, I'll sign anything for a billion. <laughs> anything. I don't know. He's taking offers, folks. <laughs> what? What? You can have my kids, all the houses I got. I got some nice houses. You can have all of them and the kids if you got a billion dollars. <laughs> They'll be all right. <laughs> my kids, I wanted to put three of them in foster care anyway. <laughs> now, but it's, I sense that you have a complicated relationship with technology. So not all of it is good. 
I'm, it's kind of a recurring theme yeah. in this conversation. I mean, social media, it's been good for you, though. I mean, it's a platform. You're out there. How do you feel about that? It's, I have mixed emotions about social media, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Social media has made the price of fame too costly. It used to be fun to be famous. It's no longer fun anymore. And social media has taken that away. Hmm. The worst invention of all time was the phone camera, the camera phone. That's the worst, because everybody got one. You know, you used to remember people used to come up to you back in the 80s and go, Steve, well, I wish I had my camera. I'd take a picture. Well, they all got one now. <laughs> And so now the picture request is mounted. And now they don't even have to request the picture. You cross the room with your finger in your mouth, and there's the picture. And that's the one that shows up on social media. And then social media is like, for me, it's like the devil's playground. It's like every imp that's out there that's ever wanted to be a hater has a voice now. You have some small, insignificant human being that has a computer or a keypad and type something about you. You busting your ass out here every day trying to make a name for yourself, provide for your family. And this little <laughs> has, I'm sorry, has access to a fake page and he starts printing stuff. Then it get picked up by BuzzFeed and the Shade Room and Media Takeout. And now all of a sudden, this generation of people who get their news from the internet, no fact checking, and all of a sudden, I find myself in a meeting with a sponsor having to explain how I did not provide a home for one of my children. And I'm going, what? <laughs> well, there's a report that you didn't provide a home life for your son and that him and your ex is homeless. My son lives with me. I've been taking care of him since he was six. I've never put anybody out, but I'm at a meeting explaining this to a board of people who didn't got wind of it because it caught legs on social media. Fake news. That's what it is, I mean. Fake news. <laughs> I didn't coin that phrase. Uh just to be clear. Hey, but the whole room got quiet, though. <laughs> he said fake news. They went, that's it. <laughs> this is not the Republican crowd, because they went. <laughs> but social media has been good to you in the sense that you're able it's, it's like the TV network that you yourself own. You're able to broadcast your message. Yeah, okay, that's the good side of it too because my wife is actually more into social media than I am. She puts it all out there with the grandkids, the kids, Marjorie, where she travels, and she likes to keep it aspirational. You say something negative on her page, you get a delete and a block so fast. She don't, she don't tolerate it. I don't even know if you're saying nothing about me because I don't have time to read it. But it has allowed me to talk about my foundation. It has allowed me to show the lives of the young people that I get to change. So it kind of changes the narrative a bit 
from the negative. I, I get more positive than I do negative. The only problem is hate is louder than love. That's the only problem. You know, when somebody hating, it's just so loud. People who love you, they just love you. You know, we with you, Steve, don't worry about that. But people who hate you, they post it. People don't always post love. That's my man, that's my girl, I love them, boom. They may not post it, but when they hate you, haters post, so. Do you, I mean, between all the social media, multiple TV shows, do you worry about overexposure? Mm-mm. No such thing. <laughs> not me. As long as they'll have you. I'm in 66% of all American households on one of my platforms. That's 350-some million people in America. But the world is almost 8 billion people. And here's what I tell people all the time, because some people say, Steve, what about overexposure? Everywhere I go, I see the Nike swoosh. I, I don't care where I go, I see the Nike swoosh. They ain't stopping making uh, tennis shoes. They ain't stop making jogging suits. They ain't stop making basketballs. That Nike swoosh is everywhere. I saw it in Thailand. I've seen it in the Philippines, Africa, the UAE, and they keep on making shoes. You don't think there's enough Nike out here? <laughs> no, but Nike just keep on because no matter how popular you are, there are far more people who have no idea who I am than do. Hmm. I might be in 66% of American homes, but I'm just in their home. That don't mean they know me. That don't mean they know my name. My face recognition is really, really high. Mm -hmm. And name recognition, I get, all, get good ratings with all of that, but man, I, I can't worry about that because it's, it's crazy. It's new people born every day. Like, for example, Lil Big Shots introduced me to a whole new fan base. I've go, going places, I got six-year-olds, because you know, when six-year-olds see you, they just see you. They don't reason. I was in Walmart late one night buying some fishing gear, like 2 a.m. at a super Walmart, which is one of my favorite things to do. Really? Yeah, I go to like Walmart at like 2 in the morning, because ain't nobody in there. And I get to see <laughs> what regular America is doing. Like, I forgot that they have pig feet in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that shit, cause I got money now, so I forgot. So I go to Walmart and I stay posted. Well, one, two in the morning, I was buying some fishing equipment. I was gonna go fishing early one morning. And the little boy goes, Mommy, that's Steve Harvey's right there. Boy, ain't no Steve Harvey in no Walmart. <laughs> the little boy went around the corner and he goes, Mommy, I want to go and say hi to Steve Harvey. If you don't shut up talking about Steve Harvey, he ain't in no damn Walmart. Why would he be in Walmart? I had to go around the corner because the little boy was just taking an unnecessary ass with him. <laughs> it's on you. So I went around the corner and said, ma'am, your son is absolutely right. Because, <laughs> you know, kids just see what they see. They don't rationalize it away like adults do. So little Big Shots introduced me to a whole nother group of people. I mean, I have fans that's six years old. And then Family Feud is old people. The old people <laughs> love me. And then middle-aged people love me because Family Feud covers the bases. So I'm pretty good from four to 116. <laughs> 
<laughs> a nice sweet spot for the demo. <laughs> well, Steve, wish you the best of luck in 2019 with everything that you're doing. We're all watching, and thanks for coming out today. Hey, man, this is one of, one of the coolest interviews I've had. Thank you. Really good. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Strictly Business. Come back next week for another podcast in which we sit down with some of the brightest minds in entertainment.